If the Apostle Paul had died today, Timothy would have followed the casket into the funeral, sat in the front row, and given the eulogy. Clearly, Timothy was Paul's next of kin. On Paul's second missionary journey, he ran into this young man in Lystra. He had just had that knockdown, drag out disagreement with Barnabas and split with that precious partner over John Mark. Paul's now with the new partner, Silas, and when he gets to Lystra, he meets this young disciple of Jesus. We're told Timothy had a Jewish mother and grandmother who believed in Jesus and formed this young son and grandson, Timothy. When Paul meets him, he invites him to become his new John Mark, his partner in ministry with Silas. He asks this young man, whose father was Greek and likely a non-believer in Jesus, to be circumcised just so he wouldn't be offensive to Jewish people who needed to hear the gospel. Timothy complied. That's no small thing when you're a full-grown adult. He follows Paul on journey number two and experiences all that Luke tells us happened on that journey being prevented by the Holy Spirit from going north toward the Black Sea, sitting in Troas wondering what to do next, then Paul getting a vision to come to Macedonia. Timothy follows Paul to Macedonia and experiences all that happened in Philippi, then in Thessalonica where they're ridden out of town, then in Berea. When Paul goes to Athens from Berea, he leaves Silas and Timothy in Berea. But in Athens, Paul asks Timothy to come as soon as possible. It's already sounding like Timothy was his strong right arm. Paul moves on to Corinth, and when Timothy and Silas come from Macedonia, it allows Paul to go full-time on the gospel now that his helper Timothy is there. When Paul writes his letters to Thessalonica, he sends greetings from Timothy and states that Timothy had actually been sent by Paul to the Thessalonians to strengthen them in their faith. Now he's not just Paul's shadow, he's stepping up and doing ministry, divide and conquer style with Paul. When Timothy gets back to Corinth, Paul leaves him there to build up this ragamuffin church in this sailor town. Paul tells us in the first letter to Corinth, I left Timothy with you, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to reinforce what I taught you. At some point, Timothy left Corinth. A short time later, he writes the second letter to Corinth and tells us Timothy is with him. On the third missionary journey, Paul comes to Ephesus. When he writes the letter to the Romans, he tells them Timothy is with him in Ephesus. So Timothy likely experienced most of that three-year ministry of Paul, where they became a church-planting machine all over Asia Minor. Who knows, Timothy could have been the planter in some of those cities, like Laodicea and Sardis. Before moving from Ephesus on the third missionary journey, Paul sends Timothy and Erastus ahead to Macedonia. Then when Paul arrives, Timothy joins Paul for a three-month whirlwind tour of Greece. It's at this point, when Paul can't sail for Syria because of a plot against him in Corinth, he returns overland toward Macedonia. Timothy, of course, is with him. Timothy is in Troas when Paul puts that kid in the windowsill to sleep. And he's with Paul on his way back by Ephesus when Paul calls for the elders of Ephesus and has that tearful goodbye in Miletus. Paul likely leaves Timothy with those Ephesian elders to continue the work in Ephesus. Several years later, when Paul is put under house arrest in Rome, he writes to the Philippians that Timothy has joined him and that he hopes to send Timothy to them shortly to encourage them. 
Paul also notes in the letters to Colossae and Philemon that Timothy is still with him under house arrest. That must have been a special two-year time of training of this young man. When Paul writes 1 Timothy, we believe shortly after having his first Roman trial and being released, Timothy is in Ephesus again. That's about 63 AD. The date of 2 Timothy is about 66 AD. We've had to play Sherlock Holmes a bit, trying to piece together from Paul's letters, church fathers, and secular historians about what's going on during this time to pin down these dates. So what happened between 63 AD and 66 AD, between Paul's first and second letter to Timothy? Here again we go Sherlock Holmes. In 2 Timothy 4.16, Paul writes that his first trial ended successfully. The result? That through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear. For this I was delivered from the lion's mouth. In his letter to the Romans, Paul wrote that he wanted to take the gospel to Spain. Clement of Rome, a historian in AD 95, wrote that Paul went to the farthest limits of the West, which could mean Spain for sure or even possibly the United Kingdom. The most likely scenario is Paul was rearrested, bringing whatever travels he was doing to a halt. This time it was not house arrest. There's some evidence he was sent to Mamertine prison. Under Roman law, people were not incarcerated for long periods of time. They were held in Mamertine and other prisons for a short time only to await execution. At this time, Nero was fuming and likely half crazy, blaming Christians for much of the malaise in the Roman Empire. So when Paul writes 2 Timothy, he knew his days were very numbered. Only your body was released from Mamertine. So Paul knew that any set of heavy steps in the hallway could be those of his executioner. This is the setting for Paul's final letter, and its recipient, not a church, but Timothy, the closest thing Paul had to a son. If you knew this could be your last day, and you only had one shot to speak to or write to somebody precious, I bet you'd focus on what was really important. I highly doubt if I was drawing my last breaths. I would pull one of my sons or daughters next to me, take a deep breath and say, Don't forget, on Thursday mornings to put out the garbage. I've been at the bedsides of several people taking their last breaths, and things like that just don't come out of their mouths. It's what's critical, expressing love and blessing, pointing them to priorities or their own destiny perhaps. With this in mind, let me quickly walk you through Paul's last letter. He begins with thanks. Isn't that something? The Romans have pulled the pin on his life hand grenade. He's a marked man with the possibility of only minutes or hours to live, and he starts with thanks. He then says something I hope I can say at my last breath. My conscience is clear. That's finishing well. He moves on to his heart for Timothy. I long to see you. Please come. Come quickly. Come before winter if you can. That happens so often with people who are in hospice or in their last days. They hang on just to see the ones they love. In case Timothy doesn't make it on time, Paul then gives him his final words. Timothy, fan the flames of the gifts you have. Don't be timidity. Don't be timid. Your name means to honor God. Honor him with power and love and discipline. I'm not ashamed of Jesus, and neither are you. 
Think about what God has done for us. He saved us, not by our works, but by his grace. Oh my, his glorious grace. Think about what he saved us from. Timothy, we've been called to a glorious purpose, and we serve a glorious living Lord. In case you wonder what was going through Paul's mind in his last days, he states this, I know the one I have believed. He wrote to the Philippians, My passion is that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and be conformed in his likeness in my death. Paul now says, I'm convinced. I know him and he will do as he promised with me and with you. Paul then tells Timothy what to white knuckle. You know what white knuckling is. You're driving on slippery roads and you're gripping the steering wheel so much that your knuckles turn white. There are certain things Paul wants Timothy to hang on to with a death grip. White knuckle the scriptures. They're God-breathed. They're all you need to be mature and complete. Maintain your grip on the scriptures. White knuckle your love for and faith in Jesus. Many have lost their grip here and have turned away from the Lord and also turned away from me. Then as Paul dictates, I can imagine him telling the one writing this down, I need you to underline this. Timothy, the things that I have taught you, entrust these to faithful men who will promise to teach others also. Paul is concerned that the gospel will continue after his death. He pleads with Timothy, don't drop the baton. I'm passing it to you. I beg you, find other faithful men who will be able to pass it on when you're getting ready to take your last breath. Paul repeats the metaphors I mentioned in the last episode. Consider yourself a soldier, an athlete, a farmer. As a soldier, don't get entangled in the affairs of civilian life. As an athlete, play according to the rules. As a farmer, sow the seed knowing you will share in the joy of the crop. Paul reminds Timothy, keep the gospel clear. Jesus is the king descended from David, the Messiah whom God raised from the dead. Paul then turns to his immediate situation in the Mamertine prison. He reminds Timothy, I might be in prison, but the gospel will never be chained up. He also says, Timothy, this is a win-win. When I die, I will live with him. While alive, I've endured with him, and now I will reign with him. Paul then gives a few last instructions. Timothy, sharpen your blade. Become a workman who cuts the scripture straight and true. Don't be distracted with trivia and chit-chat. It's a waste of time, and it only produces quarrels. Be a vessel of honor to God, prepared and available for any task God has. To do that, Timothy, you're going to have to run from certain things, like youthful lusts, and run to other things like faith, love, and peace. And the best running strategy is to run with committed others. Know you'll run into headwinds. Jesus said all who desire to follow him will have headwinds. Preach the word, Timothy. Do it even when you don't feel like it. Preach it whether or not they want to hear it. God's blessing is on his word. Be a plotter. Be a gritty teacher. Paul concludes his letter describing his situation. Timothy, I'm fully poured out. I've left it all on the field, and I finished the game. It's now up to the judge to hand out any awards, and I look forward to the awards he will hand out to you when you finish. Paul repeats, come to me soon. Make every effort, Timothy. 
I want to see you. Paul mentions that Dr. Luke is with him. Committed Dr. Luke. What a man. When he comes, Paul asked Timothy to pick Mark up on his way. I need Mark too. We've come a long way from the split, haven't we? Oh, and bring my books. Here's an old guy in the last days or even hours of his life, and he's still not done studying. That's pretty cool. Paul tells Timothy, God delivered me last time from the lion's mouth, and this time he'll deliver me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Glory be to God. Paul tells Timothy, greet Priscilla and Aquila. He calls her Prisca. Paul is saying goodbye to these dear, devoted friends. The last words of 2 Timothy, Paul's last words, are very fitting. Grace be with you. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, is the apostle of grace. Grace. We've looked at that. Some people see grace as an acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. I mentioned early in our word picture series, grace being God's pizza party in the hall for us incorrigible little brats. Or Paul's words to the Ephesians, for it is by God's grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, or we would boast about it. Grace means gift. It's a gift. Becoming God's child again is a gift given to us through what Jesus did. To be honest, I need to state, some Bible scholars think Paul maybe wrote one more letter. A letter to his Jewish countrymen whom he loved, but who largely rejected his preaching about Jesus. It's the letter to the Jews, the Hebrews. We'll see why some people think he wrote it and why others think he didn't. But either way, what this letter teaches us about Jesus is incredible. And we'll look at that letter to the Hebrews in our next word picture.